So I wrote this book over the last year, and I called it The Second Coming for a good reason, because um, it's my first book that's solely about The Course in Miracles, although I did write a book about my teacher Tara Singh, which is mostly about The Course in Miracles, but it's more my experiences with him that kind of brought that out, whereas this... I focus directly on the Course, my study of it, what I felt it was saying, and what I feel it's saying to everybody. So the Second Coming is mentioned in the Bible, you know, like where Jesus says he's going to come again. And So a lot of fundamentalist people think, oh, he's going to come in a body, and there's going to be like a Armageddon, and there'll be the Last Judgment, and blah, 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 and the people that are saved will rise up to heaven. And um, so it's, people have believed that's going to happen for two millennium, right? So it's not going to happen. But it already has happened, this second coming, in my opinion. This is my opinion, but I think if you read the book, you'll, you'll kind of get it that yes, the Course in Miracles is the second coming. And he didn't have to come in a body. He just needed to send his mind down. And then there was this lady, Dr. Shookman, who was uh, as pure as Mary in the sense that Mary gave birth to Jesus' body, but Dr. Shookman gave birth to his mind. All right, so his mind came through her and then she wrote it down, and then that became The Course in Miracles. So really, she's as holy as Mary, and Jesus didn't need to come down in a body because the problem is in our minds anyway. So he just sent his mind through The Course in Miracles. Now, the other uh, part of the second coming, yes, The Course in Miracles is the second coming, but the real second coming is when we get it when we trade our consciousness in for the Christ consciousness. So the Course in Miracles is all Christ consciousness. We could say that. I don't think there'd be anybody who studied the Course who would disagree with that. It's the Christ consciousness. So what the Course is meant to do is as we're reading the Course and being its student, we're replacing our consciousness of the ego with the Christ consciousness, which is our true self anyway. <coughs> so that is the real second coming. And that can happen, you know, millions of times, no matter how many people there are reading the Course. If they really get it, then that second coming is their own experience with the Course and how they bring it into application in their life. So that would be the true second coming. And this is also what happened to Dr. Shookman because she was just like us. She had a job, she went to work, she had people she knew, she had professional goals, she had all kinds of relationships in the world. All right, so in the, in the middle of all that, she gets this message from Jesus, I want you to write this stuff down and she's a psychologist, so 
uh, in her world, people who hear voices are crazy and should be going to the mental institution. So it was a bit of a confronting situation for her. So what, what did she do with it? You know, she even went to her colleague, William Thetford, and said, you know, I'm hearing these voices and I'm having these really vivid dreams and what's going on with me? I feel like I'm going a little crazy here. So he said, well, look, let's not jump to conclusions. We did have this agreement that we wanted to find this other way to work in our department because we saw that there was a lot of conflict, a lot of um, anxiety, and we're supposed to be helping people get over all that stuff, but we're also in that ourselves. So we did make this agreement. We wanted to find another way. Maybe this is the other way coming to us. So just write down what he says, and we'll meet in the morning at 7 a.m. before everybody gets here, and you'll read me what you wrote. She wrote it in shorthand in little notebooks, and then I'll type it up, and we'll see where it goes. So, well, after a couple of months of doing this, they saw how profound the material was, so they thought, wow, this probably could be Jesus talking to us. I mean, in, in reality, not just something we're dreaming up, right? So they stuck with it. They said, well, let's just stick with it and see where it goes. Well, they had no idea, but this sticking with it took them six years. So for six years, they're doing this, and he's writing it, and they're kind of keeping it uh, secret because if the word got out in the scientific community they're doing this, they would be kind of laughed at and blah, blah, blah. All right, so, but they, they religiously kept this discipline, right? So Dr. Shookman receives the material, then she goes in, reads it to William Thetford, and he types it up. Well, what is also happening with Dr. Shookman is she was an agnostic. She didn't particularly believe in God and all this stuff, you know? Although she had studied religions she was uh, from a Jewish family, and her father was a scientist, something like a chemical engineer. And so she wasn't really brought up with religion, right? Although she had the interest. And she even went to like her friends, Baptist churches and stuff like that. But then in the end, she kind of picked psychology as her major life work. So she's receiving this material, and at the same time, you have to understand, she's just like us, skeptical, in unwillingness, like doesn't want to really accept that this could be true. You know, she's just like our resistance is the same as her. But her higher self, which Jesus knows already who she is, her, can you imagine her higher self is like Mary? I mean, she's that evolved. And of course, Jesus will come down and, and give the material to someone like that. And even Dr. Shookman didn't want the job. She, like us, we're not going to want the job. Somebody says, read this Course, course in Miracles. Oh, it's like 1,200 pages long. <laughs> we're gonna, oh, shit. You know, another Bible I don't need. Right? So... She was very resistant. She even told Jesus, look, go and find a nun to do this work. I'm not even religious. And he said, well, 
you just wait because if I hadn't done, they would be too emotional and they would be, oh, in the rapture of, oh, Jesus came to me, Jesus came to me, and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do the work. They'd be too emotional about it. It would be too, like, they'd add other things to it, right? And plus, the fact is, most of the problems in this age are psychological problems. So you know the language of psychology, so your background and all your study, I need exactly what you studied to be in this book. So a nun wouldn't have that background, she wouldn't have the language, she wouldn't know, you know all these things that I need to communicate. So you're the perfect person for this job. So she kind of surrendered and said, oh, well, okay. And, and then she did this work, but she was kind of always fighting with it and doubting herself and doubting it. And, but after a while, because the thing took six years, so she goes through her own process with it, you know, as he's telling her things, just like we would go through our own process with The Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. And she writes about this. She has this book of poetry um, it's very beautiful. It's called The Gifts of God. And, and if you read the whole thing, you can see her process of how in the beginning, you know, the early poems, she's kind of questioning it and doubting it. And then as it goes on and on, you can see her relationship with Jesus getting closer and closer and closer until finally she just, she's all the way there. So, okay, so that's how it came in. So for her, that was the second coming. You know, when she received the Christ consciousness and then she went through her whole process of receiving it, which took years, which is the same thing we're going to do. You know, at first, we're not going to quite get it and it's not going to make sense and we're going to have resistance and we're going to go, ah, I don't want to do it. And, you know, we're going to go through that period. But this whole process we go through is this second coming coming into us. So that's why I wrote the book and that's why I called it The Second Coming. So there's that. So, well, what is the basic premise of The Course in Miracles? It's, um, the premise is this. We somehow have this self, you know, a sense of a self, and there's a self that we put together, you know, and we call that the personality. And, you know, it has a name, Marcus, Sandra, Tracy, Erica. And through our life, we kind of construct this self, right? Oh, yes, it's an Eric's self or a Leonard's self is an engineer and he works for Shell and he does that work. And, you know, he's had these relationships and. Some of them, you know, didn't work so well. And, you know, we all have a story. Well, that the Course would call the self you made up. We all have one. Now, then the Course says there is a self that God created, and that is the Christ self. That's the perfect self, the, the, the self that's connected to the universe, the self, it could, you could call it Babaji. It, it doesn't have to be, you could call it Muniraj. You know, it's this self that's totally one with everyone, 
and has no judgments, has transcended the ego, and it's just totally at peace, totally silent and still and beautiful, right? So this is how God created us, and we have that within us. However, we also have this ego self that's fighting and in conflict and got problems and you know sometimes it's happy sometimes it's sad sometimes it's depressed sometimes it's this so we've got that self going on inside of us and then we also have this self of the Christ or self of our true identity that's also in us but we're not so in touch with it because this other thing is like a cobweb or a veil or something in front preventing us from seeing that self. Okay, so then the Course shows you very clearly you've got this ego self and you have this holy self, this God-created self. Now, it says this self over here you made up, it's not even the real self, so you have to let it go. Okay, well, you say, what do you, what do you mean, let it go? Well, it's, it's, it doesn't have any meaning because this self that God created is what, where the meaning is. It's the real self. It's the real you, okay? And that's what has meaning. It's pure love. It's pure joy. It's pure happiness. It's, you know, trusting. It's grateful, generous, abundant. You know, that's that self. So, and it says, you cannot be in both selves, which is also a trick of the ego, because the ego wants to hang on to the, all that delicious stuff, and even the conflicts, and even the whatever that is, it feels like it's too big of a sacrifice to let that go, and then have this God-created self. So then even for a while, it says, well, I'm going to keep all this. I want this. I really do. I really want to be my real self. But can't I keep this one too? And I'll have that one too. So then, and sometimes, you know, I'll be over here. And then, but it's okay if I'm over here. So I think I can have both. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. Because if, if you don't fully let go of this one, if you don't fully forgive everybody to 10, then you haven't really forgiven at all, and you're still going to have some kind of conflict in your life. That would, and that would be like saying, God in God's self, there's conflict, which he makes it very clear in the Course, there is no conflict in the self God created. There's no conflict, there's no fear, there's no death, there's no blame, there's no judgment, you know, all those delicious things we've grown accustomed to, it says you've got to outgrow all that. Now, how do you replace this self you made up with the self God created? Well, you first see that it's like a shadow that's you know, a shadow doesn't really have substance when you turn the light on. Like if you're in a room and there are all these shadows and it's dark and you switch the light switch on, everything is light, right? So where were the shadows? 
where they seemed like they were there, but where, where are they now? When you turn on the light, there's no shadows. It's just everywhere, light. So, so the miracle is that which undoes the shadow. The miracle is that which turns on the light switch. Okay, so once the light switch is on, the, the shadow is gone. So what's the turning on the light switch? Well, he talks just about on every other page about forgiveness. And he says, forgiveness is the key to happiness. Forgiveness offers everything I want. Let me, forgiveness rests upon all things. So this action of forgiveness is simply you are going to let go of the self you made up, which has all your judgments, all your hurts, all your memories like of what happened before. You know, he says somewhere in there, the only thing true about the past is it's not here. That's the only thing true about it. So if we have somebody from our past that did something, and it truly was not so good, and we truly were hurt, you know, or we felt hurt, well, are, we, is, are they doing it now? And if they're not right this minute engaged in that and you getting that, it's not even here. So why can't you let it go if it's not here? So you see, that's the illusion of the mind that will keep the past going, and then it recreates new experiences to confirm it. Like, oh, yeah, women treat me badly, if you have that thought. Well, and you're not willing to forgive when women treat you badly, guess what? You get another woman in the future that treats you badly to prove that women treat you badly. See how it works? So if we're carrying the past into the present, we're going to get the vibration of that attracted to us in the present. So that's the purpose of forgiveness, is to cut that past off and say, well, yeah, I had some good times with her, but boy, we really fought like cats and dogs. Well, okay, that, there's something in you that fought like cats and dogs, and are you willing to forgive that? and let that go, and then that whole past is gone. Now you're in the present. Now you've truly forgiven yourself and whoever that person was, whatever that was, and now you're clean. It's like you're, you're coming into the present moment with no history, with no past, with no... Actually, in the end, you're coming as empty, you know, like Muniraj, the, even his name means king of silence. Well, silence and emptiness and stillness, they're all this, kind of the same thing, right? So when you would meet this man, Muniraj, he would have nothing going on in his head, and therefore everybody around him would go into that vibration of nothing in their head, so you would feel so peaceful around him because you wouldn't have all that stuff going on. And he could bring you to that state just by his aura because he had already forgiven the world. He had already forgiven everybody. And it wasn't, you know, he had stuff to forgive too. He had been married. He had kids. He had business. He had, you know, all kinds of stuff. He was, you know, he came up through the world like everybody else. So 
he had a lot of stuff to let go of, and he did. And then he arises at this state, and then at some point he meets Babaji, who kind of confirms it in him and gives him the blessing, and so there, there he is. He's totally free. He's a liberated soul. So that's the whole purpose of the course. It's, it's uh, not for everybody, and even Jesus in there says, well, uh, you could spend 20 years in a cave meditating if you want to and maybe <laughs> arrive at the same place, uh, but it's not necessary. And if you're reading this, maybe this is your way of doing things, you know? So I say, if you're in this room and you're hearing about the Course in Miracles, there's some destiny you have with it or you wouldn't even be in this room hearing about it. So maybe this Course in Miracles is something in your spiritual practice, in your spiritual waking up that's, that you've longed for all your life and all of a sudden here it is. Like maybe when you were born you longed for this and, and it, but it took you all these lessons to get here and now you have it. So it's like a completion of your soul. And I know that's what I felt when I met my teacher Tara Singh. I had been studying the Course for a while. Actually, Sandra introduced me to it. But then when I met the clarity of my teacher, and he was also somewhat like Muniraj. Now, Muniraj didn't say much, but he had that stillness and silence within him that could bring other people around him in that vortex of his peace. So Tara Singh's mission was a little different because he had been with Krishnamurti for many years and Krishnamurti's method of bringing people to that was through a talk, through a small one hour, half an hour lecture. And then you'd listen to Krishnamurti talking and before, you know, he would undo this thought, then undo that thought, then undo that thought. And then before you knew it, you were in this still mind along with him that he brought you to. So that was Tarasing's method. He, he brought you to a still mind through words. Whereas Muniraj brought you through a still mind through just presence or even maybe a small puja like a little fire or a little something like that so they were different in methodology but not different in content they their purpose was to um, free you from the self you made up and the course does the same thing and it does it through words it gives, it, it gives you new thoughts. There's nothing to fear. All right? So that's a lesson. There's nothing to fear. Well, if we really got that, how would we live our life? You know? So what's a miracle? It, it, it's a correction of your wrong thinking. So, and what's your wrong thinking? Well, we've just been talking about it for four days, right? My personal lie, my belief in death, my, you know, family patterns, my birth trauma, my, you know, you name it. All the stuff that keep you from pure happiness. And then what's the miracle's function is to undo all that. Like, 
and then once you meet it, you know, you meet your personal lie, and then you have the miracle that shows you that's not true, and then both of them are gone. You know, it's like Tara Singh said in India, there were these trees that would have these long thorns, right? And you'd get one stuck in your foot. Well, how would you get it out? You'd take another thorn and you'd kind of dig the one out and then you'd throw them both away. So that's kind of what the miracle is. You have this painful thought and then you take another thought that's the miracle and you put it to that and then they're both gone. And then you're just living in a state of fearlessness. You don't even need the thought. Uh, there's nothing to fear because your natural state now, you're in it. You're in a state of fearlessness. And then maybe you get another lesson. Uh, in fearlessness and love, I spend my day. Oh, so then you see, oh, there's a relationship between fearlessness and love, right? So if I'm really, truly fearless, then I'm also really, truly loving. So then, you know, something, that's a much later lesson. There's nothing to fear comes very early. It's like 40, 48, lesson 48. Then in fearlessness and love, I spend my day. That's like lesson 310. So after 300 days or 250 days, you, you get not only fearless, but you get this sense of what it's like to be fearless. Is like, well, your whole day is dedicated to love. And then you see, well, fear and love can't coexist in the same space. Fear negates love or, or it prevents you from seeing the love. Love is always there, but if we're in fear, we don't see it. So then when we let go of the fear, we see the love that was always there, just like health. Health is always there, but we have all these other defenses and judgments and things that make us sick. And then once we stop the judgments and the negative thoughts, then we start getting more healthy. And then the health was always there. You know? So something like that. So the process of the miracle is basically undoing what we think we know. We've been taught all our life, oh, you got to know a lot. you got to go to college and learn and know. And the people that know most are the ones that do best. Well, then you meet somebody like Krishnamurti and he says, all your problems are in the known. What do you know? You know how to be greedy. You know how to be insecure. You know how to be fearful. What is it you know? And then he'd say, well, in the Roman times, it took $1,000 to train a soldier, you know, to be in the Roman army. And now it takes $50,000 to train a soldier. But how far have we progressed since then? You know, 3,000 years ago, they said a bow and arrow would do better, you know, in, in the army killing people. And now we have a nuclear bomb that can kill 10 million people in like one second. And we call that progress. And also that is the known. We know more. So has the known liberated mankind? These are the 
kinds of arguments Krishnamurti would give. These are the kinds of mental, logical arguments that uh, The Course in Miracles gives you. So it's kind of a book for a thinking person. You know, you have to like to read, you have to like to think and look and see and so, okay. So the known doesn't have the answer. So we have to go through this period where we're kind of discombobulated and not quite sure. And, and, and you know, we have this meeting with how, how meaningless what we know is. And that's very f kind of frightening at first. Like, shit, you know, all that stuff that I learned in college doesn't mean anything. That I spent all those years and money and time and blah. And, you know, so you're going to be confronted by this. And then you don't know what to do, and then your fear comes up, and then you have a meeting with the unknown, and that freaks you out. But that's where all the good stuff is, in the unknown. That's where your true self is, in the unknown. So we have to develop a relationship with the unknown, because that's, that's where the miracles are. And the miracle is meant to bring us to that juncture where we have to let go of the known and then we're in this space of the unknown. But, you know, Deepak Chopra would probably call it unlimited possibilities. There aren't unlimited possibilities in the known because we know it already, right? It's just finite. But when you get into the unknown, that's unlimited possibilities. And we're also getting into the divine realms in the unknown. I mean, who can say they know what God is? You can't really define it, right? So God exists in the unknown realms, and it's always revealing things to us. So that force of the unknown is very important. And the Course brings you to that, and any true teacher is going to bring you to that. And, and then you realize that when you feel these deep, moments of peace or joy or release what what just happened there like you go and you meet Muniraj and your mind is blown and you feel this deep peace well what's he doing he's putting you directly into the unknown and now you're getting an experience of what that's like you know because you've dropped it you've dropped your known world and now you're in this space that's very benevolent. We have a fear of it, but it's very benevolent. And it gives you miracles. It gives you new experiences. I mean, who, who would have imagined we could all get together here, the seven of us, and have these five days of, like, heaven on earth? <laughs> you know, like, you didn't think about that. You didn't try to make that up. That was just a given that was a God-given space. So it's the unknown that provides the, the miracles. So, all right, so the course is very clear. You have the self you made up, and it's got all your judgments and all your angers and all your fears and all your, oh, he did this and she did that, and oh, I'm so guilty for doing that, and, you know, all that stuff. That's the self you made up. And then it's got... The Christ self, your real self, 
that you're not quite in touch with yet. And gradually, gradually, it forgives all that stuff you made up. And then the more you take out of that, you become more and more empty, more and more silent, more and more spacious, boundless, timeless. And now you're starting to see, well, maybe I could be the Christ. Maybe this is my real self. Maybe, maybe Jesus isn't a personality. Maybe Jesus is just a, a being that lives inside of me and that's my real being. You know, so then you start to realize that, well, this being called Jesus or the Christ, that's also my being. You know? I'm trying to think of the lesson now. We stand together, Christ and I, in peace and certainty of purpose. And in him is his creator, and he is in me. That's a lesson. So if if he is in me and his creator is in him, that must mean his creator is my creator. Because mm -hmm. he's in me, his creator's in him. Well, then that creator would be the same one in me. Well, then it's all the same. I am the Christ. When you really get that, all the other stuff you made up in your life just drops away. It's like, who would want anything else but that? <coughs> It's a kind of a peace, it's a kind of a liberation where, yes, you have to be productive in the world and you have to do things and we're in bodies and we have to pay the rent and we have to do something. So you're still going to do those things, but it's going to take on a whole different aura now that everything I do, every action I do is going to be coming from this certainty of this peace inside of me. It's going to be serving humanity. Like some of you ask, well, why would you want to live longer? Well, because when you're in this state, everything you do is like blissful. And everything you do brings you more happiness and brings people around you more happiness. And then that is a divine service. And this is what the world needs. So why wouldn't you stay around as long as the world needs it. So that's the purpose of physical immortality, is you want to keep this unit in a kind of a balanced state for as long as you can, serving the, you know, Christ mind or the serving humanity is just you're in your true self and you're a light to everybody around you, whatever that light looks like to you. Like, it might be engineering, it might be whatever, you know. For us, we love to write books. It's going to be that. I love to paint. It's going to be that. We love to do these seminars. It's going to be that. Well, why wouldn't we keep doing that? It's no reason to stop. It's lifting people up, lifting us up. So this, this is the action, and it is an action, like, an action is something like, okay, you're there and you think everything's okay. And you see, oh, well, no, I got to go over here. And that's an action. So the Course in Miracles is an action. You know, like Jesus looks down and he says, oh, 
they've got so many churches built to me, you know, and all this, and this church, and that church, and this religion, and that religion. But then they're still teaching guilt. They're still teaching uh, whatever. So they didn't get it. You know, they didn't get me. And they're still teaching me, so to speak, but it's wrong theology, it's wrong, it's wrong thinking. So I've got to come down again, give it to them again, but this time I don't need a church, I don't need a body, I don't need people following me, I just need true people that want to get in touch with who they are. And this Course in Miracles helps them get in touch with who they are. You don't need a priest, you don't need a church, you don't need me telling you what to do, you don't need anybody in between you and the Christ mind. That is what the Course is. It's the Christ mind talking to you. And even the language is in present time. Like you could take that book, open it up a thousand years from now, and it'll still be talking to you in present time. Now, that has never been done like that. Like a scripture has never been written in that way. So like if you read the Bible, it's like folks in the Middle East running around in robes doing great stuff 2,000 years ago. Now, it's past. Now, if you open the Bible up, it's still going to be about 2,000 years ago. And you open it up later, it's about 3,000 years ago. The Course will never, ever fall into that trap. It will always be in present time. It will always be a conversation between the person reading it and the Christ consciousness. That will always be so. And it will never fall into time. It will never go out of time. You know, out of, you know what I mean. It's there. It's now. It will always be in now. Even if it's a thousand years from now, two thousand years from now, five thousand years from now. So it never, it never falls into that going out of this time frame because it's always in the present. So that's beautiful. And I like to tell people in a simple way, well, working with the Course in Miracles is like you're deciding you're going to have a conversation with Jesus and he's sitting there and you're sitting here and you're just having a chat. You know, that's all it is. You're having a chat with Jesus. And he's going to say, well, yeah, you know, that aunt you had from back in your childhood, you know, the one that really whipped you and <laughs> made you feel small, that one. Well, guess what? She's the one that was your biggest savior in this lifetime. And you've got to learn to forgive her because you attracted that, too. So, you know, that's the kind of conversation he's going to have with you. And you have to decide whether you've got spiritual warriorship enough to handle it because he's going to confront you on everything he says this is a mind training and you've let your mind be sloppy too long so we're going to go in there and really look at it so it's a mind training um, so then the other thing that I like to tell people that's important to know uh, start with the workbook. The workbook is the lessons. The text is like reading philosophy. You know, 
Some of us have read philosophy, some. Socrates, Nietzsche, Schopenhauer, you know, these great minds from the past. But when you read that stuff, you got to go slow. Because, man, they're trying to, like, totally rewire your thought system, right? And you're not used to it. So sometimes you have to read that type of a thing three, four times, or poetry. You have to read it three, four times before it even starts to sink in. Even Shakespeare is in a different era. And if you hear somebody reciting something from a play, it, the language is like, it's so fast and swift and goes over your head and it's so deep, you've got to read it three, four times to even get what he's trying to say. This is what the text is in The Course in Miracles. So what happens in a mistake people make because the text is in the front of the book. Mm. It's like text and then workbooks in the middle. That's because the text came in first. Yeah, well they'll start like a regular book reading the text and then they'll go, oh shit, this is over my head. <laughs> and they'll put the book down and never do it. But the workbook is more practical in the language. It's just simple. And the lessons are like a page long, two pages long. Sometimes they're longer, but not too often. So you've got the workbook in the middle, start with the workbook. And then as you're doing the lessons, read some of the text. I like to tell people basically 10 lessons in the workbook, read one chapter. So by the time you're done with the workbook, you'll also be done with the text. But it'll take you a whole year. You're giving yourself a whole year, mm -hmm. right? So that's the dynamics of it. But now the workbook is actually itself divided into two parts. There's part one, which goes till lesson 220. Yeah, 220. Uh, and then there's part two that goes from 221 to the end. And they're very different. Like the lessons in the front, it's, it's a kind of a structured course. And you have to take it. Uh, one at a time. Well, you have to do one at a time anyway, but it's more important in the first part. It builds on it itself. So the part one is designed to blow your mind and undo your ego and get you to forgive. That's part one, the function, is, is to take you out of the self you made up over here and just totally dismantle it. Just totally, just keep dismantling it dismantling it. So then by the time you get to lesson 220, it's like what Sandra and I often say about our gurus, you're pretty well melted down. <laughs> so we couldn't get together until her guru melted her down and my guru melted me down. And then we get together already melt melted down, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have so much ego stuff going on because our, our teachers kicked it out of us <laughs> and so okay so that's part one it melts you down it gets you <laughs> ground zero right 9-11 <laughs> part one is 9-11 <laughs> now part two is the good stuff part two is saying you're certain that you know the ego's not it for you by then Right? And you're certain that you've undone a lot of it. You've done these forgiveness exercises. There's even one that says, 
Take the person you hate the most. Lesson 78, let miracles replace all grievances. Find the person you hate the most and do this exercise and make them your savior for the day because that person is your savior. So like you've done all that, right? Now you get to the good stuff and you're in part two. Part two is pure divine poetry. It's telling you who you are as God created you. It's like affirming in you that you are the Christ, that you are the holy son of God, the holy daughter of God. Now, please, ladies, it's the course is in masculine gender, but we have to really see that everybody has both polarities, right? Everybody has the feminine and the masculine. And the reason somebody like Muniraj is so great is because he's totally in touch with his feminine side. He's totally in touch with the Divine Mother, and he's like better than your own mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does mother better than your own mother. Mm-hmm. All right, so like, let's just say we both have these polarities, so please don't make an issue that the course is in masculine gender. It's, it's still talking to you, it's still you. So, all right, so now you get to part two, and Jesus is gonna introduce you to your Christ self, and these lessons are like pure poetry. They're only like a half a page long instead of uh, like two, three pages long. They're only a half a page. There's two on one page. And then they're in, they're in groups of 10. The page, I'm talking about part two now. They're in groups of 10. And each, each 10 lessons has a theme like forgiveness, what's forgiveness, what's salvation, what's the real world, what's sin, what's my body, what's the Christ, what's the Holy Spirit, what's the real world, what's the second coming, what's creation, what's the last judgment. You know, all these questions will be answered in these 10 lessons on this theme. So that's kind of how part two is set up. I mean, these, these lessons, they're like uh, memorable, you know? Like if you learned them and you recited them as poems, they would be like prayers, more beautiful than anything else in the universe. They're, they're really fantastic. So, so that's kind of the, uh, the feast, you know? You get to this point, you do the work, you take part one, you undo your ego for 220 days, and then now Jesus gives you, brings you to the feast. He brings you to the communion of you and the Christ self. And then the part two is just giving you the goodies, you know? So, so that's kind of how the, the workbook is set up. And uh, yeah, so what else can I say? Uh, it's, it's a great journey. And, and plus, you're never done. We say, well, unless you're raising the dead and walking on water, you still have something to clear. So keep doing it. Keep clearing it. Keep rebirthing. Keep reading the course. Keep doing the course. I think I'm through the, I don't know, four or five times through the course. Now we just, the way we do it now, Sandra and I, in the morning, we have what we call our five-point prayer process. So we, we take a 
we take a card, right, and I know the, the text is in the front, and I just go like this. And then I open it up, and then I read whatever is the heading, and we read like a few paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So we start with the text, we read something, we talk about it. And then part, part two is we, we confess to each other what we would like to have forgiven in ourselves that day. Could be something that happened yesterday, could be something we're foreseeing is gonna happen or some, some issue we have in our life. So we do forgiveness. Then we say, okay, what are we grateful for? And we just list them, that's three. And then we say, well, what, what's our petition? What would we like to see happen in the future? So we petition for whatever we would want to happen. So, and then we, to close, we go in the workbook and we'll go like this. And then there's a lesson. God is the strength in which I trust. If you are trusting in your own strength, you have every reason to be apprehensive, anxious, and fearful. Now, what could be more clear? God is the strength in which I trust, and I don't even have any strength. And in fact, it's just the opposite. I freak myself out and put myself in a state of anxiety and fear and depression. That's my strength. I'm really good at it. You know, like I have a lot of strength to do that. But now there's this thing called God's strength that's the real thing. And if I'm tapped in to that, Esther Hicks says, tuned in, tapped in, turned on to that, then wow, I'm unstoppable because that's coming from my source. So that's the real strength. So that lesson is going to tell you about what strength. So, so that's kind of how we do it. We do a reading from the text, then our forgiveness, gratitude, petition, then a reading from the workbook, and that's our spiritual practice. Simple. Uh, don't do it that way until you've read the whole book. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how we read the course now, but we, you have to understand, I've been through the lessons five times from start to finish and probably read the text three or four times. So once you got that under your belt, then you can have a little more free-flowing, kind of open-it-anywhere kind of relationship. But if you're new and you haven't been through the lessons start to finish, you need to do that start to finish. So, so it's like um, Sandra wrote this book called Drinking the Divine, which is kind of a, an overview of the text of the Course in Miracles. I would say doing the Course in Miracles is definitely drinking the divine. It's from a spring that never runs out. It's like once you find the real thing, you know, in, in India, there's a lot of gurus. And not all of them are, are the, re, the real thing. So they have this word in India called sad, sad guru, which means the true guru. Well, once you find the true guru, your search is over. You know, like you don't have to look anymore. And um, so I feel that's what the course is. It's, it even says this isn't the only course. There are many other ways to get enlightened. But this is a way, and if you're reading this, it might be your way. Mm -hmm. So, But once you read the course and you 
really do identify it as something that you've been waiting for all your life, then that's it. That's the Sadhguru. That's the true teacher. You don't have to look anywhere else. And you could, if you want to, you could do comparative religion studies in, at Columbia if you want to, but you don't have to. And if you do, you're probably going to find out they're all the same anyway. All these different roads to God end up being the same anyway. So just pick one and be true to it. You know, so, so that's kind of how I came to the Course and I'm still with it. And um, when Tara Singh was with Dr. Shukman, uh, he was, she was his teacher and he called her every day at the same time for two and a half years. And if you think that's an easy thing, try calling somebody at the same time for two weeks. That won't be so easy. Especially if the person on the other end is processing you and telling you, you said that yesterday and you're an idiot and <laughs> da da da. And, you know, like that's what gurus do. They, they insult you to see how you're going to react. So he did that for two and a half years. Then at the end, just before she passed, she said, I give you the course and it's for the rest of your life. Well, I would say that to all of us. Jesus has given us the course and it's for the rest of our life. So it's not ever something I'm not going to look at. I don't, and I'm not ever, ever going to declare I'm done with it. Now, maybe if I'm raising the dead, uh, I mean... And I, he also says, when you rise up in this ladder of holiness, right? That's your process. The higher you go, you are actually going to attract the people that need the help. You know, so there's going to be more of those folks coming at you too. So don't be so frightened. That's just part of the thing. Like you're going to get people that need help or situations that are testing you or Babaji calls them leelas. You know, you're going to get a Leela thrown at you. And that's just part of the process. Like, okay, by the way, you're not going to India. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Leela this that's year. That's like, what are you going to do with it? you got to handle it, you know, in a responsible fashion. So, and not be in fear. And also see that this is part of the divine plan. And not judge it. You know, today I will judge nothing that occurs. These are lessons, man. These can transform our life. But you have to take the thing seriously. You know, like it's not a casual doing. Like this lady went and found her teacher and went for two years or more, right? Mm -hmm. And with him two years. Mm -hmm. Like day and night. I'm not talking just like you come a little bit and then you go home. No, threw herself totally into it. Now that kind of a commitment is what the Course is asking us to do. And in my opinion, it's a little easier than what she did because the Course says, well, you can just keep your life and apply it to that and just stay in your job and stay in your marriage or whatever it is and just apply it to wherever you are, which is what Dr. Shukman did. She kept her job. She went on the subway, she did her classes at Columbia, she went to Macy's for the sales, you know, all the stuff she did before, she just kept doing, but now she's doing this to add to it. So you're 
You know, there's, there's one line in the course, I love it. It says, the end of the world is not its destruction, but its translation into heaven. So, you know, these people that talk about, quote, killing the ego, it's not quite like that. It's like the ego needs to be forgiven and translated into heaven. You're still going to have the clothes you like and the, all the stuff the ego loves, you know, the food you like. You're going to still have all that, but it's going to have a different vibration now because you've translated it into the forgiven world, which is heaven on earth so that's that's our job and people also throw that at us who are students of the course in miracles about physical immortality well doesn't it say you're not a body and blah 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 well yes it does say you're not a body and you're not a body you're a spirit but it also says we have to forgive the world and live in a forgiven world with christ's vision and that's a step we have to take in our in our enlightenment process like you can't leave the world until you've totally forgiven it and translated it into heaven. Then maybe you can think about leaving the body and going on to the next thing. But this is a step you have to take. You have to translate the world into your heaven on earth. And let's see if you can do that first before you uh, succumb to your death urge, you know? So, so the end of the world is not its destruction, but its translation into heaven. And you could say the same about our ego. The end of our ego is not its destruction, but its translation into the Christ self. So that's what we're here to do. That's what we're gathered here to do, is translate our self into the Christ self. Let go of all our fears and all our little foibles and all our little illnesses and all our little complaints and all of our little judgments and be the Christ and that's the second coming and that's what that book's about that's what the course is about I mean I'm honored to be able to even write a thing about the course in miracles I mean I've been studying the course for 40 years and I wouldn't have even a thought of writing a book about it I would have just said to people, read the course, that's enough. But now I feel I'm far enough along that this book could help people get closer to the course. And if that's my job, then that's my job and I'm happy to write it. And, and uh, this kind of a vision I had of the second coming was very strong. And not only that, that... Um, for years we traveled around the world and you know we were in a place where America has done a lot of bad things you know in the world and we were getting a lot of flack a lot of you're almost embarrassed to be American traveling around the world almost well now it's starting to change in that I'm starting to see well there are some really fantastic things America has given to the world one of which is the Course in Miracles, and maybe that's our greatest gift that we've produced. And it came out of the new world. You know, the new world being, it left the old paradigm behind, all the kings and the queens and the, you know, colonization and all that, and it started something new. So, and then out of that new energy has come this new 
thing called A Course in Miracles. So I'm starting to kind of restore my, not pride, but accepting that I incarnated as an American and that was my destiny and that was a good thing. And maybe I just came here for one purpose, to get the Course in Miracles and take it around the world. And that's pretty noble purpose. <laughs> so I'm not so much into this thing where for about 10 years I was feeling a little embarrassed about being American. <laughs> and now I think, now that I've written this book, I feel better. I feel like, well, yes, when we travel around the world, we have something to give. And the Course is being studied all over the world. It's like translated into like 40 languages now. I mean, it's even in Russian. Um, so it already has been going around the world and already has been looked at. So, and, but that action started here. And I, I feel really good about that. So it's the second coming. It's here, it's available. Give it your attention, transform your life, move out of your ego self and your Christ self. What could be better? What could be more simple? Hey, That's thank it. You.